Hello there. Welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. I am Benjamin Light. And this is Marco Sparks. And today we are talking about S4E10. The mirror has three faces. What a wonderful title. Yeah, it's a great one. Uh, yeah, so getting close to the f- the 4A finale of Pretty Little Liars here. Powering through. Powering through. Um, we need, we'll need to do like a breakdown, I think, after we do 412 just to talk about this season. Cause I, I th- think we've kind of seen in these last few episodes, there's some parts where it kind of lags a little. Well, and I think going into 4A, knowing that like 4B and 5A were looming, mm-hmm. I personally was kind of just like, oh, this is going to be a slog, a little mm-hmm. bit of a slog. I've actually been really enjoying a lot of the, the little intricate things of 4A yeah. stuff I'd forgotten about. Some of the moving parts are well-oiled and kind of brilliant, and some of it is like Toby's mom. It's like wheel spinning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so this episode written by Mike Goldsmith, directed by Zetna Fuentes. We open it. on an empty Rosewood High hallway, and then we cut to uh, kind of like a low angle shot of uh, some liar legs walking in, mm-hmm. and their various high heels. The liars are seemingly sneaking back into school here. Hannah says, "I still think we should dip into those candy striper outfits one more time." Echoing us all. Yeah. Arya says, what difference did that have made? And Hannah says, well, we could could have talked to Jenna instead of getting turned away at the visitor's desk. Because this is, I guess, the day after Jenna ended up in the hospital. Right. Or getting right. bashed in the head and almost drowned. Seemingly the girls have skipped, like, first period to go try to visit mm-hmm. her. Uh, right. Hannah has a, uh, like, a collar of pearls on her outfit. Oh, let's, let's talk about her outfit when she takes the jacket off. She has, like, a light blue blazer on right now yeah okay uh yeah the girls life for school um well aria the shusher shushes them and she says guys can you keep it down please the whole point was to sneak back and spencer's like i think mr Fancinelli noticed the entire row was missing (laughs) and aria says well i'd still like to graduate and spencer awesome spencer says oh newsflash honey none of us are graduating (laughs) also school's never ending so yeah, season seven. You're still gonna be a senior in high school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love you, Spencer. Uh, Hannah thinks that Spencer should go back to Shauna and see if she knows anything else. And Spencer's just like, "What? Why?" Hannah's theory is basically that if Cece was indeed the one who drowned Jenna, then Shauna probably has a pretty good idea of why she'd do that. Sure. Emily wants to know why exactly do we trust Shauna, and Hannah says, "Why do we trust Jenna?" Exactly. He's like, "All right. Well, I don't trust anybody." And you guys are about as quiet as a monster truck rally. Now shut up. So is that Lucy Hale like playing to her like base? Base of what? Like, oh, the monster know. truck rally. Yeah, I, I don't even know. So they decide, or they could go to the source. Um, Spencer has to point out that Cece's been. AWOL well, no, Hannah. Hannah says she's going to the source. Yeah. Um, Spencer has to point out that Cece's been AWOL since Wilden died. Cece being the source. Mm-hmm. Um, when Wilden died, which was what like two weeks ago. Um, and so Spencer says, you're not just going to find her folding peasant skirts at the diva dish right now, um, which, as we've said it before, it's not very often mentioned, but that is the name mm. of the boutique shop. Well, we actually uh, see the, the sign in front yeah. of it occasionally. Yeah. Meanwhile, Emily gets a text in the background and Hannah says that she will search every hipster boutique until she does find her. <laughs> that would be a fun scene of just her going to like weird hipster just- boutiques. Imagine like the musical montage, yeah. The mm-hmm. outfit changes. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be so much better than a whole episode of Hardy Bros. Yeah. So 
Emily is is looking at her phone. She says, no friggin' way. And Arya's like, what's wrong? Spencer's like, is that an A-text? Emily says, worse. It's my mother. LOL. That's worse. Uh, Mrs. De Laurentiis has offered to let uh, Emily and her mother stay in the De Laurentiis house. And Arya's like, in Allie's house? Spencer's like, you're going to sleep in Allie's bed? Emily says, hell no. Uh, I'm not moving there. Uh, then Hannah orders her to. She's like, yes, you are, Em. You have to. It might be your best chance to find Cece. Really? Which seems like a stretch to me, at least based on what these girls currently know. Hannah's just all in on like any potential clue anywhere. Uh, I then, mean, it's not like, you know, spoiler, it's not like Emily moves in and they start tearing out like floorboards looking for clues or anything. Yeah. Her, her idea is just basically to have like Emily sleep in her dead friend's bed and just wait for a clue to like meander its way to wait for something weird to happen in Emily's or, or in Allie's weird old room. Yeah. Yeah. So then the bell rings. We have a great shot from overhead as the three others disperse in opposite directions, you know, heading off. Emily's like left there, like looking up at the bell. Um, She's thinking like, how the fuck did I just get assigned this? Yeah. At least the girls will be on time for second period. I like this shot because there is a like a little running motif of like things in the upper left hand corner mm-hmm. kind of yeah. hold your attention this episode. But also this shot reminded me in a way of the opening of the Jenna thing, which is like season one, episode two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so where they the all credits. walk off in different directions. Yeah. Uh, so after the credits, we're in Rosewood High. It's a different hallway. It's later, um, presumably sometime after uh, after a uh, second period. Spencer and Hannah are walking, and this is just funny. Spencer's like, you could have been a little more sensitive. She's homeless right now, and you just convinced her to stay in our dead friend's room. She's looking out for her other. Yeah. Uh, and Hannah says uh, their friend is close to Cece, and maybe there's something there that can help them track her down. Sure. Spencer says, that room is freaky. Allie's mom turned it into a shrine. And Hannah says, okay, you want to talk about freaky? Look at that guy who hangs out at the ice machine in Emily's hotel. He crushed ice with his armpit. Which is actually kind of impressive. I'm really curious what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Spencer says uh, we should ask one of their moms if uh, Emily can stay with one of them. Uh, Hannah's like, yeah, I don't think my mom's taking on any guests at the moment. She's having a hard enough time getting dressed in the morning. Uh, Spencer says, well, this could be a good distraction. Hannah says, Spencer, she loves Emily. I don't think she wants to cry in front of her. Yeah. So it sounds like... It's like dark times for Ashley right now. She's back home, but the trial's still looming over her and basically like clinically depressed is what it sounds like. Also, Pastor Ted's trying to wipe her up. And she can't drink. So that's rough. Yeah, that's gotta be hard. Um like Ashley's like seeing the sunlight unfiltered. Mm-hmm. So then Hannah looks over, she sees Caleb, who gives her like a the sup slash like come here nod. Hannah's yeah, like, like come know, follow me nod. They'll, they'll talk later. She goes over to Caleb. Spencer then looks over at Ezra. Ezra looks as haggard as one can be when they've got wardrobe and makeup watching their ass. He's struggling with the locked door to his own classroom. He has locked himself out. Spencer notices this, comes over, and she says, Hey, I can give it a try. I've actually picked a few locks in my time. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Ezra, he tries the lock again. He's frustrated. and He kind of just like stares impotently at it, and then he finally turns around. and He's like, No thanks. I'll just go back down to the janitor's office. It's hoping to avoid that. Second time today. This makes Ezra look stupid to me, but then I could kind of understand him not wanting other students to see him having a student pick the lock to his class for him. What the um, fuck is up with his shirt? You really hate the shirt, don't you? Well, in fact, there's a tie with it. 
first of all, this shirt, it's like a kind of a steel gray shirt. It's buttoned up, but it has like, it's like the cargo pants of shirts. It has pockets all over the place. It has pockets on each, like, uh, like on where your bicep or tricep would be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, double breasted pockets and then like another like pocket down below the pocket on the left. It's got those, uh, kind of like, uh, epaulette straps up, up on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. This is not a shirt you would wear a tie with. It looks so weird. Uh, I, I can only assume that this is wardrobe communicating that, like, Fitz is out of sorts right now. Like, his, his world's a little upside down because of, like, Maggie drama. I mean, the fact that he has all his buttons buttoned and the ties on, that's amazing to me. I mean, granted, realize that we're like, hey, the fashion on this show doesn't make sense right now. Well, um, Fitz can usually be counted on to be just wearing like a like a vest or something at least preppy and here's my fanfic. East Coast. Aria bought this for him, laid it out for him once upon a time. She said, mm-hmm. "This looks great. Has lots of pockets. Any tie will work with it. Trust me." He's like, "Really?" She's, She's like, "Oh yeah, me. I'm like a fashion maven." Yeah, but yeah this is. He, he, he starts to leave and Spencer stops him, like picks up his briefcase that he'd left on the ground. And she's just like, Oh, don't forget this. And he thanks her and walks away very stiffly. Like a Spencer, sad bastard. Spencer's kind of staring after him, like pondering what a sad little broken man he's become. You remember that scene in Seinfeld where Kruger locks himself in his office and he's just like, <laughs> I'm going home. Well, I'm going home. <laughs> and Spencer has like just like the slightest smile on her face as she like watches Fitz go. Cause what a pathetic bastard. Well, because Darth ruin your life has gotten. He has a man. like. There's a button on the back of his collar, like on the back of his neck. So many goddamn buttons on this hideous, hideous shirt. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's an enigma. Mm. So then we're with Hannah and Caleb, which is a table in the, the courtyard. Yeah. Caleb's been doing his half of the hearty brewing. So Hannah asks that that forwarding address is indeed CC Drake's. Caleb is not sure yet. Hannah's like, "Well, how are you not sure?" And Caleb's like, well, it's a box of the post office, Hannah. She's not going to jump out like a girl from a birthday cake and yell, boo. Okay. Caleb has some, some weird things to say sometimes. Yeah, he does. Uh, Hannah says, so what did you find? He pulls out a paper from his bag. I uh, tracked down an unpaid cable bill to that address. And Hannah's like, how did you do this? And he's like, do you really want to know? Firewalls, codes, hacker shit. And <laughs> Ones Hannah's, and zeros. Hannah's good on that, so... Caleb says, the bill is attached to your physical address in Philly. And Hannah says, where CC may or may not be watching SportsCenter right now. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe if, it, if the timeline figures out, but maybe like CNN, Crossfire? I don't know. CC's just like, oh my god, stop talking about Tim Tebow. Yeah. That, that would fit the timeline, I think. Uh, Caleb says, it's a long shot, but it's worth a try. And so, Hannah kind of sighs with the gears are turning now. Hannah's face, yeah. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, at the Mermaid It's an expensive Star cable bill, by the way. It's like, $175 cable bill. That's a lot of fucking cable. That's a lot. I want it to be like nothing but like pay-per-view, like some like slutty, slutty movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, at the uh, website page of Starbucks, mm-hmm. the Mermaid Star Cafe. <laughs> uh, it's an organic roastery. <laughs> I mean, this is like just it's the fakest of fake Starbucks you could ever come up with. Well, seriously, like, where the fuck is this place in Rosewood? Like, th- this episode to me was like something like there's like whole other like areas of Rosewood well, they, they that go they've to, never covered before. They go to two different places this episode to get coffee that is not the brew. It's very strange. Well, and it's, I, 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 maybe this is supposed to be Philly. I don't know. I don't know because it doesn't seem like it because he talks about the train in this scene, but like 
than there are in Philly. And that area looks exactly like some of the stuff they use for Rosewood. Uh, anyway, so Arya and Jake. Mermaid Star Cafe, not real. You need to point that out. Of course not. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake is looking through some of the photos that Arya's taken of him doing his karate's. Um, Tongs he, to do. He's like, these action shots, shots are sick, yo. You actually made me look like I know what I'm doing, yo. Yeah, and she shows That's... him one of him doing like a flying kick. But this is Arya's skill at the camera. She makes mm-hmm. the unimpressive look impressive. Yeah, they're sitting at a table outside the uh, website page of Starbucks. Uh, she really likes this one of him doing a flying kick. That's her favorite. And then like a barista comes out and brings him coffee, which I guess is the kind of service you expect from the website page of Starbucks. It's like the ideal mm-hmm. coffee coffee house. I mean, does that ha- that doesn't happen at real Starbucks, right? Like courteousness and them delivering no, your a, order. No, a barista no. would bring you your order. I mean, fake fake Starbucks has pretty nice service. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Jake says, uh, I wish I could have used these photos for my match tonight. Uh, the one he has makes him look like an altar boy. Or he's like, what match? And he tries to downplay this, but she says, you know, sorry if it requires a headshot. It must be important. Can I come? Uh, and he kind of undersells it some more. Like, why would you want to take a train to a gym in Philly where it's folding chairs, where people make faces like, like Zoolander feet. and smells like feet? Uh, do you really want to go? And Ari's like, well, are you going to be there? He says, yeah. And Ari says, then yes, I want to go. Arya this... really loves, on occasion, being like the good girlfriend. Oh, this scene. Yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, Jake is just like, oh, my match, my match, my match, my match, my match. And she's like, oh, do you have a match? And he's like, ah, oh, <laughs> it's nothing. Oh, you caught me. Oh, wow. Did I, did I let that slip out? Oh, it made me think about uh, Holton's like underground fighting matches back in season two, which. <laughs> Why does this guy seem somehow like less tough than Holden? I'm not sure how, but he seems less tough than, than just a, about anyone. I think it's a hair. Yeah, he's just he's somehow like gone from being like the tough guy who, you know, may or may not be hurt or injured. Now he just seems goofy. Yeah, he's, um, he's really goofy. But Arya in this scene plays it like she's very, very smitten, which is when mm-hmm. she's most dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, then we're at Radley. Oh, this scene. Ren is oh, in man. Mona's room with her. This he scene, sh- I want to break down like this is a Pruder film. I feel like this is a very important scene. This is going to be fun. Uh, he shows her an illustrated picture and asks her for her emotional response to it. Ren does. Dr. Ren Kingston slides this uh, like illustration over to Mona. Uh, and he, he's kind of, she's at a, the desk that she carves the will of the circle be unbroken into. He's in a chair. He's got his notepad out. He's going to make some notes here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Please tell me what the, your emotional response to this picture is. Uh, it, this picture is a kind of a drawing of like a family on a small farm. There's like a, a father throwing a son in the air. The it's mother. Yeah, it's like just a pencil sketch type thing. The mother has a uh, like a daughter on her arm. There's like some cows, there's a horse, there's some chickens, some bales of hay and pumpkins. Uh, and so Mona says, it's a family on a farm. The sun is shining and they're smiling. It's a happy picture. Mm-hmm. And Ren says, so how does that make you feel? And Mona kind of like with like a little attitude, like very clear eyed, like knowing look. She's like happy. And Ren says, what's your response? And Mona slides the picture back to him and says, tell your artist to take a class because this looks like Norman Rockwell sketched it with his teeth. <laughs> it's a biting, but uh, on the nose criticism. 
Yeah, Mona has a lot of verve here. And Rin says, that's not a feeling, that's an opinion. He slides the picture back. I'd like to know how you feel. Wow, that's, he, that's flawless. Yeah, Mona That's says, immaculate. About farm animals? About what you say you've done. And Mona kind of looks away, like, suddenly not comfortable making eye contact for just a second. And she says, look, those girls used to make me feel bad. And she kind of looks back at Rin. She says, but recently, I realized that we're on the same side. And Rin starts to write something in his notepad now. And what it says, I wanted to make up for all the things I'd done. Wilden was bothering them, so I got rid of him, and I'd do it again. She says it's so cold-blooded, so pointed. But Almost then, as a warning, Ren. But but then Ren, like, he comes with some force back at her. Like, this is a super sinister thing, he says. He, like, because she says, I'd do it again. You know, I wanted to get rid of him. And Ren says, I don't think you got rid of anybody. And he, like, the layers of meaning there is he, like, stares her down unblinking. It's super creepy. Mm. Like, to me, that implies, like, like, what is he saying there? Like, I, I feel like he's almost saying, like, I'm the one you need to be afraid of. Yeah. I don't think you got rid of anybody. Well, he says that's my response, too. That's my response. Uh, then they have, like, a very intense staring match. Yeah, Mona actually looks nervous now. Yeah, he suggests they take a breath so that they can take a break so they can so she can decide if she wants to be honest with him. Mona says, "Why would I ever be honest with you?" He says, "You used to be." Mona says, "Well, that was before I realized where your loyalties were." I am so curious about that. And he says, "Uh, where am I at?" And he says, "Uh, I don't I don't know what you mean by that." And, uh, where is he? Sorry, I lost my place in the notes here. But I thought we had done a good job of establishing trust when you were a patient here. Yeah. Mona looks away with a little sly smile and says, that was before I realized you were keeping secrets from me. And Ren, he almost nods a little, and Mona says, hmm, by the way, you forgot the G in diagnosis. And Ren looks down at his notepad, and he's written, he's tried to write diagnosis, but he left the G out. says, you know, diagnosis extreme distress and paranoia delusions of persecution uh interesting that he writes in all caps just like a uh mona has such a lovely and like muted smile here like just mm -hmm. beaming with total pride yeah there, this is like a, a weird game of chess like like verbal chess they're playing with each other kind of like trying to see how the other reacts to various things they say mm -hmm. and uh so Mona kind of smirks like she's just scored a victory by pointing out that he spelled diagnosis wrong, which is another of the, like, is this guy really a doctor clues, yeah. it feels like. Uh, and then Ren says, Mona, you're the one who's been keeping the secret, and you're smart enough to know I was going to figure it out. And Mona's like, figure what out? And he says, you stopped taking your medication. And Mona kind of frowns. He just, like, gets up and leaves and locks the door behind him. So when I first watched this, when it first aired, my my take was, oh, Mona and Ren dated or something, <laughs> or there was some kind of like. That's interesting. I didn't, that that didn't ever cross my mind. Well, that was like I, I kept like searching for like what could all the various layers of meaning be here. That was one of the theories that entered my head. Well, one of the things I was trying to do during the scene was trying to see it from a perspective of Ren is actually being a totally normal doctor. And Mona's just trying to get cute with him, and he's trying to just kind of draw a hard line and be like, no, I'm not putting up with any of your, your nonsense. Right. And I guess you can kind of see that, you know, because he's just like, I need you to be serious. I need you to admit, like, you know, that this is a lie. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you could all read it as that, or maybe you can read it as him being totally sinister and like either like A or like in league with A or like some other kind of dangerous faction or something. It's basically like the the lost season of that. What is that show on HBO? In treatment with Gabriel Byrne as a psychiatrist <laughs> or psychologist, whichever. Uh, so we get to the Rubendo Brew. We see Toby at the counter getting a cup of coffee. He's probably thirsty after days and possibly weeks on the road, knocking on doors well, and shit. He has like a weird smirk on his face for some reason. Well, he's just like, I'm so fucking happy to be home. Mm-hmm. And he walks right over to the like staircase that goes up to his loft, and he sees there's uh, that manila envelope from the last A-tag that has his name on it. It's just sitting there waiting for him. And he's like, ooh, what's this? And so he picks it up and opens it, and he sees that it's sheet music, and immediately like makes a big old Toby face. Mm-hmm. And then we see the A note on this says, "Leave the lamb alone and go for the lion." This Kisses is the A, the post-it that we could not see in the last A tag mm-hmm. on the sheet music for any time. This hits Toby hard. He looks around, and it's like he suddenly realizes this storyline about his dead mom just won't end. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got to Allison's bedroom where Emily and Spencer are bringing uh, Emily's luggage in. Emily mm-hmm. looks around. She is almost the, speechless of horror. Well, and this is some more, uh, they're the same person bit mm-hmm. here. They, they each wheel in like an identical piece of luggage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Emily's, she's got her pillow in her hand. She's like obviously totally creeped out. And Spencer just looks guilty because they're just like, yeah, sorry, Emily, we're forcing you to do this. Uh, and Emily's like, I can't stay here. Look at this place. It looks like a museum. I know I promised Hannah, but I can't do this. And Spencer says, okay, Emily, just try to relax for a second. Look, when you think about it, putting back her room is really not that strange of a reaction. I'm, I'm serious. In the 19th century, when children died, their parents would sometimes post them for lifelike photos as mementos. Like we just saw in the Nick. I was just going to say, that's exactly what I might say. Yeah. And Emily's like, not helping. Not helping at all. Spencer's like, okay, just try to remember that this is an opportunity. And we could find some stuff in here that could be really useful to them. I mean, it, like as the camera just like pans across, like Allie's like overly fancy girly bedroom. I mean, like if you've seen like the last scene of like Coppola's the conversation, I can understand. Like I said, if they were just tearing this place mm. fucking apart, you know, like trying to find shit. But that's they're not, not the liar style. It. Yeah, no, it's not their style. Um, is that like a live bunny on the bed? No, it's like a plush bunny, but. That's kind of creepy on its own. There's like yeah. a plush bunny stuffed animal on the bed. That would be weird. Plus, I'm sure Allison would love to have a museum devoted to her. Mm-hmm. That's immortality, my darlings. Um, yeah, Emily just says that she's not thrilled being here by herself. And Spencer's like, wait, your mom's not going to be here with you? Found out that no, Pam has a hearing with the police department's disciplinary committee, committee which is in Harrisburg. And so that's where Pam will be until tomorrow. And Spencer's like, well, what about Paige? Can she come over? And Emily's like, we're not exactly in the best place right now. And then a voice from outside found everything you need. They turn and there's Jessica Dillarentis. She's arrived with some blankets. Sorry, it's so chilly. The furnace is acting up. I called someone to come look at it. All the better for the Jessica has like so much like crazy energy in the scene. She has this like big smile on her face and like you can tell they're fantastic in this role. Yeah, she she gives off just the right energy. Like you're never sure when she's gonna be mad at, at somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like she she's someone they're always like off kilter and like walking on eggshells around. Like, is she suddenly gonna be sad? Is she gonna get angry? Is she just like way too happy and manic? I uh, just I'm dying to know like when all is said and done, what is the direction given to her? Like during certain scenes. 
like I feel like she plays this like somehow like she knows like some of the deeper darker secrets mm-hmm. of Jessica De Laurentiis. Um, oh, and just but, yeah. these big crazy smiles as she talks to them. Yeah, yeah. Every scene though in this episode, I believe Mrs. D like it, it is announced like like her voice appears <laughs> like disembodied, and then she teleports into the scene. It's an amazing like style of having her come into the story repeatedly. Um, so. She asks if she can get the girls anything. She's like, I had those vanilla wafers you all used to like. And Emily Spencer, like, both look surprised at this, like, shocking blast from the past. Like, like Jesus Christ, oh, and they're not teenagers anymore. Well, it's like know? Emily's kind of checking with Spencer, and she's like, uh, no thanks. I should unpack. Yeah. And Jessica says, I'll get you some hangers. And so she walks over to Allie's, like, wardrobe and opens it. And she takes, like, a big, kind of, like, deep, like, grieving breath. All she's of Allie's like old... Like a mini breakdown. I, all of Allie's clothes are still in here, mm-hmm. you know, and Emily kind of sees this and there's like, you know, just a couple hangers available. And Emily's like, you know, I don't really need to wear things that need to be hung up. Just mm, funny. Yeah. It's all t-shirts and jerseys anyway. <laughs> Jessica closed the wardrobe. She's a little emotional and she says uh, there are fresh towels in the linen closet and I made extra keys. She hands Emily a key. I really want you to make yourself at home here, Emily. I know that you and your mom have been through a lot. And Emily's like, thanks, Mrs. D. And Jessica says, it's so nice to see you girls back in this room. It's like you never left. Uh-huh. And Spencer and Emily are just like creeped out faces. Like, this yeah, yeah, this well, I'm just thinking like Emily, like, don't eat any food there. You'll be trapped. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hannah's kitchen. Kay lets himself in the back door, of course. Hannah's pouring some spaghetti out of Tupperware and into a bowl. We got to talk about this back door thing. Like, what, is it? <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? I've been trying to think, like, is it... Is it that the liars and, and Caleb would always prefer the side door, but like maybe they use the main door if they think that like Ashley or like that Hannah might have like company or the Ashley's around or something like that? Like they only use the, the front door like if it's official and they don't want to like walk in on anyone. I would absolutely love to hear the hand wavy explanation mm-hmm. i mean like so in the episode when like caleb shows up and he gets yelled at by tom and because he because i feel like why does he, he come in the, the back door well i feel like he used the front door then because he knew that like tom was there mm. you know that that's i don't know that's that's my hand wavy theory is that the the liars and caleb always use the side door unless they think for some reason it's like uh awkward for them to and so, so they, to they avoid use the main caleb door. accidentally telling tom Merritt, oh i've been back during your daughter for for a year now mm-hmm um. By the way, uh, Rourke Critchlow is now following us on Twitter. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> it's especially awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So he lets himself in. Uh, like I said, Hannah's pouring some some spaghetti from Tupperware into a bowl, and Caleb's like, "Oh, I thought you and Carbs weren't friends anymore." And Hannah's like, "We're not. It's for my mom." Yeah. She puts this bowl in the microwave. I. This is so off topic, but uh. The microwaves, like, in the island, in the kitchen island, like, down below, Spencer in the Hastings house also has a microwave down there. Is that, I don't know, like, an East Coast, like, architectural thing or something? I, like, no, never seen I that. I've never seen that until this show where they had the microwave in the kitchen island, like, down low like that. When I lived in the on the East Coast, I had a microwave that sat on top of the countertop. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, I maybe... I'm going to have to research this, research this more. Uh, we'd, we'd like to hear from some East Coast people. Like, where's your fucking microwave? Is this the new style of, like, the, the fancy the open style? floor plan house to, to put your microwave down, down the island? I mean, it seems like cleaning would be a kind of a pain to kind of reach down. But I don't well, know. So who wants to bend over for their food? What are you, the help? 
I don't know. But anyway, uh, what are we talking about? Exactly. Pretty Little Liars. Uh, Caleb, uh, yeah, carbs. No, these carbs are for Ashley. She isn't eating anything. Just like Hannah. Like, uh, Ashley as well. It's, it's a bad sign if she's not eating anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Monitor her mood that way. Uh, and Hannah says her mom is shut up in a room. If it wasn't for calls from Mrs. Hastings, she probably wouldn't get out of bed. I feel like that's bad foreshadowing. I feel like they're like, hey, uh, Hannah, your mom might have clinical depression. Yeah. Caleb asks if Hannah wants to go check out this address in Philly since there's a train leaving here in about 40 minutes. Hannah says, well, actually, Arya's going to do that since she's already going to be out there. Which I thought, oh, now I understand that Arya and Jake scene. Um <laughs> uh, so Hannah asks, well, and also Caleb, Hannah has assigned uh, her other, her you know, one of one of them's other has been assigned to like go do the side mission because right. Hannah can't do it. So Hannah asks if Caleb would be willing to help her get into Bradley. Caleb asks why Hannah would want to do that. He asks if this has anything to do with the fact that Mona's been moved there. Which, duh, Caleb. Well, because Hannah's asking very guilty, like uh, I was wondering if you would help me get into Bradley. But so Hannah's Hannah's point actually makes sense here. Mona's the only person who Cece's actually reached out to. Caleb gets a little bitchy here. Yeah, Caleb's been a little bitchy lately. Uh, yeah, well, it's like when Toby left town. It just it, it ruined Caleb. It ruined him. They're doing a psych evaluation for a reason, Hannah. And Hannah says Mona is helping my mom. Like she's, uh, and Caleb like cuts her off. Says no. First A uses a sedan as a wrecking ball in Emily's house, and then Jenna shows up in a lake looking like soggy bread, and now you want to go to Radley and ring the bell jar? Ooh, wordplay. So Hannah's like, so that's a no you're not <laughs> coming with? Uh, Caleb says, Hannah, listen to yourself, okay? You are so desperate that you're willing to go to the enemy for help. And Hannah's like, Mona is not the enemy anymore. And Caleb says, you don't know that for sure. He thinks it's time they went to her parents and the cops and told them A is back. And Hannah's just like, no, no, there's no way I'm doing that. Telling them will only make it worse. And Caleb says, it can't get any worse. Hannah says, God, just give me some time to think this over. And she gets the food out of the microwave, and she's like, I'm going to take this to my mom. Like, you're dismissed, basically. Well, she's like, there's the door, asshole. Mm -hmm. Should Um, we point out that Caleb is wearing, like, a crimson leather, uh, like, jacket, like, red leather jacket right now? He, yeah, he's like ditched like the with weird, a hoodie, the weird hippie jacket that he had mm-hmm. on. In the, I mean, the I guess this, I guess this is better. Look, this is like his like Tyler Durden jacket. Yeah, basically. Um. So yeah, Hannah's outfit. Uh, all I have is that she has like a her collar for her dress is like pearls. Well, this is like a very prim, like sleeveless black dress, but the collar. Good. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good look. The it's collar like is a, white with pearls all over the collar. It's like a kind of like an Audrey Hepburn type mm-hmm. dress, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember rewatching this a few weeks ago and being like, "Hannah looks great in this episode." And, and um, hanging down from the white collar is uh, this weird, like gold, like spread oh, eagle wing necklace, like pilot's wings. Yeah, <laughs> like Hannah's flying the friendly skies. Like yeah. maybe Hannah flew that plane. No, that's possible. So at the rear window, brew Hannah walks in. Speaking of which, she looks over and sees Ren sitting by himself. Uh. So, true story, when this episode first aired, I spent a lot of time looking online for this shirt that Ren's wearing. <laughs> this is when I dis- I like the shirt. I don't know why. That I explains love it, a lot. But I liked it. This is when I discovered that there's a hundred million sites devoted to the fashion of the ladies on PLO, uh-huh. but not a lot to the men. Anyway, Shockingly. I think you can buy this shirt from Macy's or something like that. Anyway, so Hannah says, hey, Ren looks happier than he's ever been in his entire life. And he's like, hi, how have you been? 
And then he apologizes for such a stupid question. He says that he's been working 72 hours straight, and this is his first break. And has like, yeah, I know. The nurse well, told me. Okay, so you would be hallucinating after being awake for 72 hours straight, let alone working. Which mm-hmm. means he's either uh, exaggerating, or he's A, or both. As if Ren could possibly be a liar, which, mm-hmm. you know, would sound good, even in that accent. 72 hours straight? Bullshit. Yeah. Well, especially... They would know that that's not a good idea. They, that's a psych yeah. hospital. They deal with this kind of thing. <laughs> You're a doctor, theoretically. Yeah. I I guess he works there full time now. This medical doctor who was probably ceased to work at the actual hospital. Well, but he's Han- only interned three days a month there. Yeah. So Hannah, she's like, yeah, the nurse told me, uh, and she kind of folds her arms very coolly, and he says, oh, so this isn't just running into each other so much as, and Hannah's like, I hunted you down. <laughs> Which is funny, because at the, my notes, like, when she first walks in and finds Ren, I'm like, how the hell did she know he was here? But yeah, that makes sense. She, yeah. she found out. Uh, and so well, Ren says, well then, how can I, I help Sometimes you? Radley's a ways away from Rosewood. Mm-hmm. So, like, if he's on a break, I guess he comes back into town, into the Ruindo Brew. I mean, he's more likely to run to, like, a young girl here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So Hannah says, if Ren could just please let her in to see Mona. Uh, and he's like, no. And she's like, I don't even need to see her. I just need to talk to her. And Ren's obviously very resistant. And like, I'm sorry, I can't do it. In fact, giving Ashley's situation, I probably shouldn't be talking to you. And he, he starts to get up, and Hannah is just like, but it's not about Mona. I'm just wondering about Cece. And Ren's like, Cece? His ears and, perk up, yeah. yeah. Has she, and Hannah says, has she contacted you? Or And Ren's like, why would Cece contact me? And Spencer, or Hannah says, Spencer said that you let her in once before to see Mona, and I was wondering if she thought that you would do it again. And Ren kind of looks away, frowning. And Hannah's like, what's wrong? And he's just kind of like, no, nothing. It's just the nurse said someone tried to see Mona last night. When she described the young blonde, I thought it was probably you. And Hannah's like, well, it wasn't. Did she get in to see Mona? And no, apparently whoever it was was turned away. And Hannah says, and why are you so worried? And Ren says, between you and me, ever since our budget was cut, the hospital's been a little short-staffed. Uh, wh- what are you saying? He's saying that things have been missed. That's all. It's very vague, Ren. Things have been yeah. missed. Yeah. Hannah uh, says, okay, well, uh, you have security cameras, right? I mean, can't you just, like, see if it was her? And Ren's like, Hannah, I don't want you to get involved. And Hannah's, like, begging him, like, please, please do this for me. This is important. He's like, I'll see what I can do. Young women saying please are obviously Ren's kryptonite. Mm -hmm. So she thanks him and leaves, and Ren watches her go. And then as she's out the door, he grabs his phone, calls someone, and says, Hi, we have a problem. I'll take care of my end. You take care of yours. And now he looks like he's, like, all hard again. Which is, is another one of, like, is he being sinister? Or is he, like being like he he could just be thinking oh i thought it was hannah that went and tried to see mona maybe at cc i better like call somebody and warn them or something mm-hmm. right. knows? in my notes i wrote ren really needs scenes of aria he like never has scenes with aria i don't think right which is i know is what we're waiting for it'd be amazing i'm trying to think if he's ever had one i, don't, I can't recall i don't think so i mean eh, was he even there like on the pilot with Arya? No, I don't think so. Um, so, Spencer's kitchen. Spencer's on the couch reading the A note that came with Toby's sheet music. She interprets the note to Poor mean that Spencer. Toby... 
should yeah should leave Eddie Lamb alone and go after Dr. Palmer instead. No, oh, you know what's the deal with the sheet music? Toby's been pacing the whole time. She's been looking at this. He's doing this weird thing of his hands behind his head because <laughs> he has to do something of his fucking hands. Yeah, he's got him like uh, he's like holding the back of his neck uh, and acting. Yeah, <laughs> he does a clinic. Did you, by the way, did you see that? Like it's like some like Instagram photo from like Vogue or something where it's like Keegan Allen is like at a photo shoot for Vogue taking pictures of Macy Williams on the beach in a wig. It's totally blew my bizarre. No, oh, you hadn't seen that. No, you just blew my fucking mind. Uh, yeah, I, I was like, really. Like, who let him do a photo shoot for Vogue, and, and who let him take photos of Maisie Williams? And and how can we get Maisie Williams to guest star on Pretty Little Liars? Oh my god, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Who would um, you play? Well, and... and like well, Allie's I mean, British cousin or something? Like, slightly younger British cousin. Mm-hmm. Well, like, you need Maisie Williams on there, you still need Michaela Maroney. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, anyway. So... <laughs> Toby like recognizes sheet music as soon as he saw. We will it. do anything to not talk about this fucking plotline. Yeah, uh, his mom used to play this song all the time. He remembers her playing it. Toby says maybe there's something he, about my. He mom's... recognized it as soon as he saw it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe there's something about my mom's connections to the music that's important. Nope. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe something she shared in a session with Doctor Palmer. Toby, all wounded puppy like, asked if Spencer would come to see if him. Well, because she's Dr. got her, she's got his her well, hand on his back. Troy and Bellasario was greatest reaction ever. She's like. Why? Oh yeah, so yeah. Let me let's not talk over each other. Um, so she's kind of rubbing his back as he's all sad and like, uh, hey, will you come help me see the doctor? And and she's like, why? I mean, you don't need me. You've already met him once before. Yeah. Uh, and Toby says because you're the only person I can talk to about this. So I'm just like, that's not a selling point for me. Yeah. She says, okay, well. Uh, what do you want me to tell Emily? Because I promised her that uh, I'd go back to Mrs. D's house with her so she wouldn't be all creeped out there. And Toby's like, you can't. You can't tell her anything. If you do, the faucet turns off, and A isn't going to give me anything else. He's going to play this dead mom card forever. Uh, and Spencer's like, when does this end? When does this plotline end? And Toby's like, what do you mean? And she's like, I mean, how much longer do you need me to keep this a secret? And Toby says, until I find out what really happened to her. Spencer just kind of nods like, Ugh. Oh, so, uh, I don't know if Fuck your fans. fucking dead mom, Toby. I don't know if the rest of the fans are enjoying uh, Benjamin Light's accent work as much as I am. Like, I love Ren's accent that you've got going here. I love that you're... I had Ren's Toby. accent for, like, one bit, and then I, and I then lost it. And it kind of fades, but, yeah. like, I love that you, you play Toby basically like Frankenstein monster. <laughs> I'm Toby. <laughs> no, Toby, Toby, uh, you just have to be like, Spencer, <laughs> my mother is dead. Glower. Uh, so Why would somebody house. do something like that? Oh, God, that's such an amazing mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so Allison's house, Emily comes walking through. There's a grandfather uh, clock ticking. Otherwise, the house is very still. There's a, in this episode. There's a piano in the corner. Uh, we see that somebody's watching Emily from outside the window. It should be mentioned that piano in the corner is not the one from the A tag. This one's like black, right? Uh, wood. So yeah, not the same one. Emily holds up a framed picture of uh, Mrs. D of a young Allison, and then we of course hear Mrs. D to some body voice say, "Looking for something, dear." Well, the, Emily the, lowers the picture. Yeah, the way this is framed is fascinating. She lowers the picture, and there's Mrs. D sitting in a chair in the exact spot where the picture was in front of when oh, Emily was holding it. Yeah, in the frame, we see Emily's hand like holding this picture frame. 
And then the the hand drops down and like rack focuses like right to Mrs. D, like right behind it in a chair. Like uh, Emily should have seen her before she mm-hmm. lifted up the photo to to you know look at it, expect it. It's it's brilliant. Um, I really like it's a nice little touch. That's you know I think your mind just barely registers that this creepy. It doesn't make any sense. Well, and it adds up to Mrs. the general D always, this house. Yeah, and this house and and Mrs. De Laurentiis always kind of throw you off you know they, right. there's always just like this vague feeling of uh, uncomfortableness uh, looking for something dear and then he's like oh i was uh you know just gonna go get something to eat and jessica's like oh i'll make you something so she gets up she's had all these papers in her lap and some of them fall on the floor and Emily likes oh let me get this for you like bends down to pick them up and mrs d like she's like oh you can just push those aside and she actually she's like a little weepy uh, and she kind of lets Emily know uh, that Mr. D, Kenneth, has decided to divorce her. And she's like, I'm fine, really. I'm just dealing with the initial shock of it. There's no hope that this marriage working out. I have no hope that this marriage can ever last. Um, Mrs. D's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just dealing with the initial shock of it. Emily Emily's kind of like, nods at this. Like, yeah. I don't know what to do with this. Jesus. Yeah. Um, and again, we see somebody's watching Emily from outside. So we cut to Ezra's apartment. I've taken to calling this place. Fitz Palace in my notes. Fitz Palace? Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, Ezra, we see he forcefully slaps an envelope down on a wooden, on that wooden chest table of his. And he says to someone, he's like, open it. And he's looking down, he's perturbed, and we see that he's talking to Maggie. Of course. And Maggie's just like, what is it? She looks kind of confused and weirded out. Do you think they banged it all recently? I thought so. Uh, so when I when I really thought they had sex was somewhere around when Arya passes them at Wilden's funeral. Yeah, yeah, that their vibe there was like they banged. I was like, yeah, they either just came from sex, or they're gonna stop for sex on the way home, and maybe some yogurt. Um, yes. Yeah, so- I mean, Ezra's like, well, I'm newly single. You're single. We're gonna be spending a lot of time together anyway. We made this kid. I don't mm. want to make another kid, but you know. Yeah, so Um, Ezra says, don't be afraid, you already know the truth. mm. I'm the one that's late to the party. He's like all like, just like pissy. Hard Ezra. And Maggie's kind of starting to get a little distressed, like, what are you talking about? And Fitz says, he saw a lawyer start the process of getting his name, putting on Malcolm's birth certificate. And Maggie's like, Ezra, how could you do that? Mm. And so they're kind of arguing over each other. He's saying, I didn't want you to take my son away from me. She's like, I can't believe you go behind my back. And then Ezra very loudly says, Oh, what do you care? This doesn't amount to much more than shadow boxing, does it? Kind of a funny statement, yeah. Uh, she looks stunned. He pushes the envelope across to her. Well, her face, her face is like, holy shit, who is this monster? Basically, it's like the expression on her face now. Like, what the fuck? Like, nice, uh, oh, nice yeah. future reference there. Mm-hmm. Um, we there's, the, they stare at each other. Yeah, they. Uh, we said the envelope is addressed from a bio lab in Philadelphia. We not real. Here, I looked it up. Yeah, that Ezra is not Malcolm's father. You are not the father. Well, he says you knew I wasn't the father. And then well, of uh, course hashtag, not. that kid is Asian. Hashtag not the father. That was apparently the hashtag really? for this scene. Well, that's so bizarre. Not the father. Are uh, people actually tweeting that? I'd like to hear from anyone who actually tweeted back then, like, not the father. That will definitely be a hashtag when I post this uh, on the, on the, our website page, because that, I think, is one of the funniest hashtags that the PLL, like, 
ABC Family like street team has ever done. Yeah. Not the father. Oh, in I, fact, I, I feel like you should never even use any of their other hashtags that come up with their episodes. You should just keep using "not the father" over and over again. I think of all the various jobs related to PLO, like I would love to intern at the street team. Ezra Fitz, you are not the father. I mean, just imagine how fun that is. Presumably, you're seeing episodes beforehand, and you have to think up these insane mm-hmm. hashtags. I mean, we we all kind of saw this coming, right? Because uh, the kid clearly didn't look like him at all. Because he's Asian? And yeah. and also, Ezra OTP, like, we had to work that out somehow. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. Can't, we can't have Ezra on the show just, like, counseling the other liars forever. I know, I know only a few things about Ari Montgomery, but I know one thing for certain: she's nobody's fucking stepmom. Mm-hmm. Um, so outside, somewhere, I think this is Rosa, but a much nicer part. Uh, for a moment, or I thought we were outside Radley here, possibly streets of Philly, because Hannah is getting coffee from like a street side coffee cart. Oh no, this is Rosewood because they're right outside Veronica's office. Well, but this is this is a different office than the one she had before. The one she had, we saw before was across from the church. This is clearly somewhere different. So my theory. Is way back when Spencer went to visit the uh, uh, the blind school in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. She had mentioned then that her parents work in the city, so I'm thinking that maybe Veronica's part of a firm in Philadelphia and has her own practice back in Rosewood, and this is probably her Philadelphia office. That's some quality fan winking there. Yeah. Um. So Hannah's chilling with a coffee cart. She's texting other liars. I think Cece snuck into Simona. The font on Hannah's phone is huge. That white iPhone is so trill. Um, but yeah, huge font. So she looks over. She sees Caleb walking down the street. She stops him. He's like, uh, I thought you were helping your mom for the rest of the day. Because he was about to like walk into a building. Yeah. And she goes over and she's like, hey. Uh, and Tana's like, oh, I am helping my mom. But I you know, came to drop off some papers at Spencer's mom's office. Mm. And Caleb just kind of nods because he knows he's busted. And he's like mm. waiting for the blow up. And it's like, Caleb, what were you doing going into Veronica's office building? Mm-hmm. So he breaks down and tells her he doesn't know how to protect her anymore. Hannah Not your is, job, Caleb. Yeah, Hannah is furious that Caleb was going to tell Veronica about A. And he says, yeah, well, he was going to do it. He says, you know, I'd rather that you hated me and were safe and not the other way around, which is typical Hannah and Caleb shit. It's complicated. Yeah. And Hannah says, and you think telling her about A is going to keep me safe? Caleb says, at the end of the day, she can do a lot more for you than I can. You know, if some punk comes up to you in the street, I'm going to do whatever I can to lay him out. But this enemy, this enemy is everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Oh, my God. I love that he used that line. If you're A and you're listening to this, don't you just start, like, masturbating to this high praise? Now Mona and Caleb both have said everywhere and nowhere. But on this day, at this time, we have to pronounce the Hardy Bros experiment a failure. Yeah. And Hannah seems almost touched by this. Uh, Caleb's like, I keep, I keep taking swings in the dark, and I'm missing. Just, I'm, I'm not enough to keep you safe anymore. Uh, and Hannah says, Yes, you are. You never were, Caleb. Uh, like that's Hannah's job. Like, ah, geez. And they start kissing. It's a pity yeah. kiss that turns into a, to a makeout. The only thing that made this better. He looks like he's about to cry. Well, the only thing that made this better is like Tyler Blackburn, like, like pantomime some like boxing, like some faux boxing. He's keep taking swings in the dark. Mm-hmm. Like he's like and- Rocky. Then we get a shot from, oh man. yeah, then we get a shot from across the street, uh, kind of watching them kiss and it kind of camera tracks over across some car and we see, oh, that is Dr. Ren Kingston has just happens to be watching them. 
He's not like out of sight. When we say across the street, we mean eight feet away. Nah, it's probably more like 20, but sure. 12 feet away. I mean, like, they could look over and be like, holy shit, is that Ren, like, watching us? Well, and it's, Why is, is his he, shoulder bouncing like that? Is he following Hannah, or did he just go to see Veronica at her office and happen to see this? We just don't know. We just don't know. So, Spencer's Kitchen. Uh, Veronica's on the phone with somebody named Sonia. Sonia's probably her assistant. No, it's Anya. Is it Anya? I thought it was Sonia. No, no, it's Anya. I believe it's Sonia. She tells Sonia that it's pushed back a meeting can, half an hour. Can we so. just imagine Anya, the assistant, played by Emma Caulfield? That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. It's a job that she does to collect the money that she uses to buy things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Sonia, she needs to push back a meeting half an hour. She has, so Veronica had to pick up some files from home. She gets off the phone, and then the camera pans back a bit, and we see that Ren has been sitting there the whole time, mm-hmm. waiting for her to finish. Which makes me think maybe Ren was just going to Veronica's office to see her there. If you're a Ren apologist, sure. I'm just trying to wrap my brain around what the hell Ren's doing in this episode. He's a complicated as, as we'll get to you more. British beast. Yeah, man of wealth and taste. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make that reference about every character on this show. <laughs> I noticed that you're really pushing for it. <laughs> I don't know why. I just decided I'm going to do that. Uh, he's a beast of burden. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Veronica's very dismissive of him. She doesn't even look at him. She's like, and what can I do for you? And he's like, well, look, I know that my history at the Hastings has been a little bit rocky. And she's like, I'm not going to debate that. But regardless of whether you like me, and she's like, like you? You broke my daughter's heart and took every piece of goodwill this family extended to you and flushed it down the toilet. Well, when you put it like that. Also, you're a very polished sleaze who preys on young, confused women. Mm. But Ren almost looks hurt by that. Uh, She asks why he's here. He basically says that he's here to warn her about Mona. I don't know why she's confessed to this murder, but you should be careful. And Veronica says, let me explain something to you. I am a defense attorney. I don't care why Mona confessed. Whether she did it or not, she helped my case by giving me an alternate explanation for the crime. So, and Ren says, and she may have done, but she's going to turn the tables on you. Veronica kind of turns around because she doesn't even look at him. She's kind of a little bit surprised that it's like forthrightness. And he says, she's a dangerous person. And she hasn't forgiven your daughter or friends, despite what she says. She wants to see them hurt, as well as the people closest to them, like Ashley Merritt. And Veronica says, uh, you know you could lose your medical license for telling me this. She's still your patient, isn't she? Ren nods. She is. He says, but if I hadn't made such a mess of things, you were once going to be my family. He seems so earnest. And Veronica's just just like, what is your deal? Yeah. Like, really? That's a reason to uh, violate, like, HIPAA laws? It's because yeah. you might have been my son-in-law once? She's about to throw him out, and not through the back door, through mm-hmm. the front door. Um, so we come back to the Fitz Palace. The Fitz Palace of accusations. Mm-hmm. The envelope is open now, and the results are laying there on the table. And Maggie is trying to explain uh, the, the situation that led to the, the lies and deceit. She says, we'd been fighting a lot over dumb stuff, and you were going to leave at the end of the summer anyway. That uh, was back when she got pregnant. And Fitz is like, uh, so what? It's my fault? Like, full-blown dick, not a good look for Fitz. Hmm. Like, he's just... And yet, it fits him like a glove. Yeah, he's so petulant. Like, it's some, like, somehow he manages to come off as the asshole in the scenario where she's been lying to him. It's weird that you're almost like you're describing Ezra as an entitled prick. <laughs> that can't be him. No, heavens no. And like, he's like, no, I was I was mad at you. I I went to a party with some friends. I drank too much. Made a mistake. And Ezra says, so what you're trying to say is that 
you didn't know? You may have been confused then, but you haven't been confused for seven years, Maggie. Seven years. Uh, Maggie says, I knew it was a question, but I decided to answer it myself, and I gave myself the answer that I wanted. Also, using your family's money. Yeah. And Ezra's shaking his head. He's like, no, I can't feel bad for you right now. I won't. And she's like, I'm not asking you to, you well, so fucking asshole. I think it was last week I pondered if Maggie was a lot like Arya back in mm-hmm. the day. And this week I'm just going to say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shockingly, Ezra has a type. Ezra is going to lay out. I'm going to let you do it. But Ezra's going to lay out to you what makes fatherhood. Oh, I'm I'm preparing for that scene. This, there's some serious acting coming. Do it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Maggie's not asking him to feel bad for her. And Fitz says, you let me believe you as my child. I've taken him to movies, to baseball games. I've helped him with his homework. We, we had inside jokes. I know that he, he hates too much milk in his cereal. Um, I know the names of every single one of his stuffed animals. And I know exactly which one he needs when he wakes up in the middle of the night. You made me believe he's, he's my child. Acting. It's hard acting. Maggie's face is doing all sorts of contorting too. She's very sorry. And Ezra says, you let me fall in love with him. This it's, is why I personally have a strict policy of just hating children on principle. It's like Ian Harding politely asked the writers if he could do some acting on the <laughs> show. If he could have like a monologue. Um, Maggie says that she's sorry. She really is. She picks up her bag and leaves. And Ezra just has to like sit there. And, like, well, he does the move where like he's going to say something, but he just can't even. He has to sit down and like take Overcome a huge breath. with emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you let me fall in love with him. Meanwhile, in Philadelphia, speaking of one of Ezra's children, Arya's on the move. She's on the phone of Hannah. She's taking a break from Jake's super karate meet. She is looking for this forwarding address. She says that she doesn't get back soon. Jake will think this is weird. Uh, <laughs> Arya's this is a this is this is one of my favorite PLL type of lines. Arya says, "Gone with the wind took less time than this froyo run." <laughs> I mean, can anything be more perfectly pretty liars than that? That's so Arya. Yeah, uh, Hannah's, you know, in her kitchen on the other end of this phone call. She says, trust me, Jake will still be kicking when you get back, lol. It's like nobody takes this relationship seriously, because why should they? Least of all, Arya. Yeah. Arya says, fine. She asks, if, uh, Hannah will check on Emily, because uh, Spencer told Arya that Emily was pretty creeped out when she left earlier, and Hannah's just like, yeah, sure. Well, I feel like Spencer probably told Arya, you need to go check in on Emily. And so Arya's now telling Hannah, oh, you need to go check in on Emily. Shit rolls downhill within this group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hannah says it in a way where I initially thought, no way in fuck does Hannah go over to that house. Yeah. Um, Arya says saying she talked to her later. She hangs up, looks for this forwarding address. She runs into some chick who's carrying some boxes. We never get this chick's name, I do we? I desperately wish that we did. Because I just keep calling her like woman and lady. Well, yeah, because she's amazing. Um mm-hmm. Uh, this, Arya's gonna ask her a question. This chick cuts her off. Asks if Arya's from the management company because, sure, someone from the management company would dress like that. Well, this this uh, woman is coming out of a building, presumably the building Arya was looking for, uh, with like a box of stuff in her hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and before Arya can even like lie poorly about whether or not she's from the management company, uh, she said uh, the woman's like, well, I told that lady on the phone that I'd move out, but as far as and Arya kind of cuts her off, and she's like, oh, I'm just looking for someone named Cece Drake. And the lady's like, well, if you find her, let me know. And this kind of pikes Arya's interest as the lady like just continues like loading her car with stuff. Yeah, Arya has a little smile on her face. She like, kind of smiles a little, like, ah. Jackpot. 
Um, also, this chick has big artsy water drop earrings that I'm sure Arya would love to rip off her ears and have I think, for herself. I think, like, at the end of Arya's scenes with this lady, she murders her and takes her earrings. I would just love if, like, later on at the last, like, scene of Arya in this episode, if she's just wearing those earrings. Those, like, <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. A little spot of red on them. Yeah, so it comes mm-hmm. back to Allison's house. Emily's bringing tea That'd be over. some very Arya Starkish moves there, actually. What? Not to spoil anything. Um, yeah, because the night is dark and full of Arya. Um, at Allison's house, Emily's bringing tea over for her and Mrs. D so they can talk and relate and shit. Um, uh, Mrs. D says that she and her husband grieved differently. Uh, Ken box up all of her, their things and put the house on the market. And I, I felt her presence everywhere. I mean, again, I can't praise Andrea Parker enough. Mm. Um, Mrs. D said that she even started seeing Allison everywhere. Emily kind of perks up a bit and says, what do you mean? Jessa says she was jogging in the park and she saw this young woman ahead of her. It was Allie. Uh, she could have sworn the hair, the walk, it was her. She started running after her, practically tackled the poor girl. And Emily's like, it wasn't Allie? And Jessica says, I lose a piece of her every day. I love that. Yeah. That's why I did the room. If it were up to Ken, he'd just lock the bedroom door and throw away the key. You think you know somebody so well, but then something that you both counted on changes and you find out who they really are. Just wish it hadn't taken me 24 years to learn that. I don't expect you to understand. And Emily says, no, I do. I'm going through it myself. Someone totally dating. the same thing. Yeah, totally the same thing. Someone I'm dating. We're becoming different people, but we keep trying to ignore that. And Jessica says, well, what does he think? Hmm. And Emily kind of has to compose herself. I, I, I found this reaction interesting because I guess you kind of have to figure for Emily, it's probably... I mean, she's already done the whole coming out thing, but it's still like this is somebody who who knew her in the past that she has to like kind of do this routine with again. Well, and it's not like she has like a like a you know animated thing hovering over her head that mm-hmm. says lesbian, you know. But it's like you imagine that she, there are probably other people she runs into occasionally where she has to go through this whole process again. You know, she right. says, "Um, right. actually, I uh, wasn't sure if you knew, but I guess not. I'm with a girl." I realize that's who I want to be with, and that's who I am. And Jessica kind of smiles, and she says, Oh, I'm very proud of you, Emily. Emily takes us in, but she kind of has bigger things on her mind. She says, Mrs. De Laurentiis, I want you to know that you're not the only one who's seen Allie. I have too. And Jessica says, Of course you have. You loved her as much as I did. I wish that Allie could have returned those feelings. (laughs) I couldn't have asked for a better person to love her than you. That's pretty bitter. Old comfort. Yeah, pretty bittersweet family. So, um, on the side of this city street here in Philadelphia, Arya's still talking to this woman. Um, the woman is like packing up the trunk of her car and like giving Arya the scoop. She says that when Cece dropped out of UPenn and moved to LA, she was still paying rent. Or so she thought. Arya's like, wait, she dropped out or was kicked out? And the chick's like, how did you know about that? I thought you said you weren't really girls of Cece. <laughs> and Arya's like, well, I wasn't, but my friend Allison was. And this chick's like, so you were one of Allison's friends. It's this... amazing how much presence a dead girl still has in all these people's lives. Well, this this scene to me is fascinating just because of that alone. So the, it's like a car honks, like a car horn honks. Mm-hmm. And the chick yells at the guy in the car, you want the spot? Move a box. Which, first of all, you have to love the life that they give to these minor temporary characters. city of brotherly love. But also, you have to love the fact that Arya ain't doing shit to help this girl pack. <laughs> of course not. Arya doesn't lift a nail for anyone. So uh, 
Yeah. The chick back to Arya, she's like, well, then you know. Because uh, she's one of Allie's friends, and Arya's like, I'm sorry, know what? And she said, a woman says, Allie got her kicked out. At least that's what Cece claimed. And Arya's like, maybe she was lying. And the girl says, true. But having met Allison, I could see that chick shoving someone down the stairs. And Arya's like, what? Like, the way she says what is, like, hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. What? Now, uh, I forgot to look in the wiki, but, like, the chick being shoved down the stairs, that is an old reference to, like, what was it, like, season one, I think? I believe it's season one. I, d- I don't remember the exact episode. I was actually going to ask you about that. Mm-hmm. I meant to look it up. I forgot to. Um, but, yeah, you may remember a flashback from long ago where they went to a party, uh, it was either, it was with fake IDs, I believe. Allie had gotten them all fake IDs, and they went to some frat party, and Ian was there, and Ian had gone upstairs to some chick, and then later on, uh, that girl, like, fell down the stairs and, like, broke her neck or something. Mm-hmm. And at first, they were like, oh, like, Ian must have done it. Like, you know, like, funny, we just remembered how we, like, you know, murdered this girl or broke her neck or whatever. And then, but then they later remembered that Allie was up at the top of the stairs after it happened, so they wondered if Allie had done it. Yeah, their friend committed straight, straight up murder. This was like the first of many times that at a social event where these girls attended, the fucking cops and the ambulance <laughs> had to show up. And potentially, I guess Cece was at that place as well. Yeah, it's funny because that was, for a long time, uh, various recappers I read, like Jacob Clifton or Heather Hogan, would mention like the time that uh Allie seemingly pushed a girl down the stairs and broke her neck and how like it never got brought up again and then here they are bringing it up again yeah it's a deep pull yeah um so it's just like you were at that frat party wait which one are you and allison's crew cc always said there were four other she devils and always like other she devils she devils i hardly even knew cc and that party was like three years ago i hardly even remember anything and Chick's like, well, it stayed pretty fresh in Cece's mind. She assumed you were all in on it, and she hated you for it. Could Arya push that girl down the stairs? I, I can't remember. Yes. I should have gone and watched the scene. Yes. And see if she's at the bottom or not. You see but... how I say that with no hesitation? <laughs> and I haven't even seen the episode in a long time. Yes, Arya could have done I that. I just love the, the idea that not only does this girl know who Allison was, she knows about Allison's crew. Well, so this... I made this comment before we started recording. This is the season where Cece becomes Melissa, where everyone has to, like, before they leave a room, be like, oh, by the way, it was Cece. Mm-hmm. Like, she's mentioned so much. Well, Dare I say, too fucking much. We've been led to believe that Cece and Allison were so close in all the flashbacks we've seen to them together. But mm-hmm. now this chick is like, no, Cece was like, fuck all those bitches. Right. You know, Cece always said there are four other she devils. And so. That's a, a side of Cece we've not gotten from her. You know, she, she was always kind of like treated the liars like her little like Allison acolytes. Well, like, so the same thing we wondered with Dark Nigel, you have to ponder, is this rehearsed? Mm-hmm. Was I this don't girl think told- so. I don't think so. But then my question is, the whole time this chick was living of Cece, is this all Cece fucking talked about? As Cece, the like 22 year old, like never shuts up about her like 15 year old friend. Yeah, her like the weird jaded twenty-two-year-old uh, who yeah. got burned over by uh, some fifteen-year-old girl and like four she-devil friends that seemingly Cece never met until like I don't know yeah. three months ago or less than that at a uh, unless shop. she's talking about other she-devils. Hmm. Hmm. The mirror has three faces. Hmm. 
So yeah, Arya has to. Like, the chick closes the trunk. Like, seems like she's done packing up her shit. Arya has to ponder this. Could somebody really hate the Arya? This is quite a well, quite an info dump. New shit has come to light. She's got yeah. to think about it. Uh, so we go back to Allison's house. Hannah knocks, lets herself in. Well, she's like, calling out. It's like evening time now. Yeah. Or yeah, magic hour. She's calling out for both Emily and Mrs. D. The house appears to be empty. Upstairs, we hear some noises. We quickly see. What I guess is upstairs, what appears to be Redcoat, wearing black clothes, turning a door handle, letting themselves into a room. Yeah, because Emily kind of hears this noise upstairs, and then Anna. we see... Yeah. Uh, who did I say? Emily. Emily. Oh, that's the same person. Sure. Uh, so yeah, Redcoat's turning a doorknob, letting them in somewhere. I love the just how stark the red is. Like mm-hmm. All they have to do is show you a gloved hand and like a red sleeve, and you know what's up. Yeah, the hairs in the back of your neck stand up. And Hannah is kind of calling around like, hello, M, Mrs. De Laurentiis. And then back downstairs, Hannah like hears a, a door close like somewhere else, seemingly. Like it's weird. It's, it sounded like the door opening was upstairs and the door closing was like somewhere entirely on the other side of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Hannah kind of nervous, venturing around, eventually goes upstairs and into Allie's room. She looks around. Uh, more noises out in the hallway. And she calls out to Emily, and there's no answer. And Hannah walks in front of Allie's, like, big round mirror that's, like, her, like, vanity mirror there. Yeah. Uh, fascinating mirror. And she runs a hand across, like, the the wood vanity, and all of Allie's old things are just, like, sitting out, like, waiting for her. Uh, there's so much twinning here. Mm. Hannah and the reflection and all that. So she walks over to the joy box um, on the table by the still open door to the room. She opens the box. We hear the music. You know, Hannah's like running her finger it's, over uh, the joy box. Yeah. She picks up one of the earrings, and in the mirror of the joy box, we see the reflection of Redcoat. Redcoat's passing by Allison's room. Oh, this scene is so awesome. Yeah, the fur release from the music box is playing. Uh, and the, the angle is neat because Hannah's kind of like trying on this ring, but. In the background, the angle, Redcoat just like walks right by, turns and looks right at Hannah. Uh, Redcoat has the alley mask on and like blonde, blonde hair. hair, which could be a wig, who knows? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you know, just stops her beat to look at Hannah and then just turns and walks away. Hannah never even notices, but yeah. it's like she senses that someone was there, so she. She turns back. She kind of feels that unease, that creepiness. Uh, hashtag Hannah's well, face. As she's wearing Allie's ring. Yeah. Yeah. And she turns around like, huh? But no, there's no one there. It's it's the kind of scene that's both like, it's really creepy. It's really evocative. It gives you a lot to work with. Like, no matter what direction you would choose to go with Redcoat later on. Well, and it's Hannah put on Allie's ring and like, you know, the, the specter of Allie appeared behind her. Well, I mean, I, I can think of at least like five suspects for Redcoat for you to throw out and say mm-hmm. that, that that's who that is. My favorite is find- always Ren. Yeah, I was going to say, I could easily figure out like three different ways that Ren would have an interesting reaction by mm-hmm. looking in this room and seeing Hannah there. But yeah, I totally thought it was Ren. Um, yeah, I always think it's Ren, to be honest with you. I have a lot of theories about Redcoat. I feel like, ultimately, comes down to it, Ren, Redcoat, A, whatever, the, the light bulb, you know, in the room, like, basically the end of Psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, so we cut back to the mental hospital up north. This is the Dr. Palmer Mental Hospital, um, I think New oh, York. Oh, yeah. One, one last mention on Ren. I don't know if this is the case or not, but like, if you go on like the, like the subreddit or like the various fan theories, there's this idea that like the ultimate A is somebody we saw in the pilot. 
and this seems to be like somebody would be like, oh no, like my Martin King tweeted that. Like I'm not sure if that's actually true or not. But there's this idea that like the ultimate A is like someone who's been around from the beginning. And so Ren fits that. Also, Ren is wearing board shorts in the pilot. Indeed. Also, he doesn't know where the Versus sack is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at the mental hospital up north. And you know who else is in the pilot? Who's that? Mikey Montgomery. Just ponder that. Mr. Sausage King himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Mikey Montgomery. So Toby and Spencer, Toby and Spencer come in Dr. Palmer's, like, the common room the, here. The Shady Acres crazy old people home. Yeah. Um, Wasn't Dr. it actually Palmer, called Shady Acres? I think you're confusing it with Shady Days. I don't know. Maybe it is Shady Acres. I'll have to look it up. I don't know. I mean, don't ask me questions about this storyline. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Palmer is watching a Ronco infomercial in, like, the common room. Toby introduces himself and Spencer. She smiles and says hello. It's it's hilarious to me, like, how good Spencer is with adults. Yeah. And she always, like, brings her, like, warm A-game. Yeah. Um, uh, Dr. Palmer is very courteous. It's a pleasure. Uh, he clearly has no idea what's going on. Yeah, uh, Toby's, you know, he's Marion Cavanaugh's son. You know, I don't know again. if you remember me. Giddy talk and Dr. Palmer says, sure. Toby looks giddy as fuck. Um, and Toby's like, uh, yeah, I came here before, not that long ago. And, uh, we talked about my mom. I was hoping we could talk about her some more. And doctor's like, I'd be happy to. I also just pooped myself. Yeah. So he pulls out some sheet music and hands it to the doctor. And Palmer's like, ha, this is a good one. And Toby and Spencer kind of look at each other. And Spencer's probably wondering the whole time, like, how fucking cuckoo is this guy? Yeah. And Palmer's like, oh, unfortunately, um, I don't play. And Spencer just looks at Toby again, like, see? Yeah, like, this guy's not in a fruitcake. And Toby's just like, well, fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at Radley, Mona's, like, flipping through a magazine on her bed. She's really back to that stripped-down, evil gorgeousness. Well, she's got the straight hair. That 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 straight hair is working for her. Crazy Town, banana pants, sexy. Uh, the mm-hmm. door opens. It's Veronica fucking Hastings walking into Mona's room. Yes. Mona's definitely surprised to see her. Yeah, she says, hello. And she says, how'd you get in here? Isn't there someone at the front desk? Veronica says, yes, there is. And Mona, I love the way Mona plays this. She says, oh, oh, I guess you must have made friends with the nurses when your daughter was here. Which is incredibly well played by Mona. She manages to like jab in like a, like several little you know jabs of the knife there. Like, it's reminding her that she's doing something like uh, improper, reminding her that Spencer was in Radley. Mm-hmm. Well, and just showing that you know she can lash out mm-hmm. just because she's in a mental hospital doesn't mean that she's like like you know unarmed. Um, so Veronica takes that in stride. She says she wanted to have a little chat with Mona off the record, and then Veronica basically invites herself to sit, and Mona has this kind of like static smile on her face. Mm-hmm. Um. So in Philadelphia, Arya's like power walking her way down the street. Um, she's probably been gone for like three hours from like Jake's karate meet. <laughs> gone with the wind. Then her phone rings. Uh, call ID says Ezra. And Arya's like thumb like lingers over the answer button as she ponders it. We see Ezra like in his place in the, the Fitz Palace, listening to the ring of the phone, hoping she'll answer. Uh, Arya's apparently gotten right to whatever the venue for this thing is. Uh, the door open and Jake leans out. He tells Arya he's up in five, and with the fakest, most enthusiastic look on her face, Arya says, "Awesome, I'll be right there. <laughs> awesome. I just need to take this." Yeah, he's he's got his uh his gi on, his which for down. some reason has a like a South Korean patch on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what that's about. Um, uh, it's on in five minutes. Yeah, and Arya's like, "I just got to take this," 
And then, yeah, more of Ezra waiting, waiting as it rings. But then Arya goes ahead and hits call decline. And she, like, she shivers as she does it. <laughs> She's uh, got no time for fits right now. She's got to go watch some Tonks of Doe. So she goes and watch a bunch of dipshits kicking each other in the groin of flying kicks and pajamas. Um, I don't know if that's so, illegal in karate or not. And Ezra's, you know, Fitz Palace, he's like looking at his reflection. What is that, like a TV screen or something? I, I believe it's his window because uh, the mirror has three faces. But yeah, True. he's he's watching. There's uh, so many reflections in this episode. He's watching his reflection very dark because it's the, the window he's looking out of. It's dark outside and you barely see his reflection, but... I love you, but it's, I've chosen the darkness. Yeah. Uh, so in Mona's room at Radley, Veronica's asking Mona why she's throwing herself on the sword. Mona looks unfazed. And Veronica says, I get the feeling you make a lot of people nervous. Am I right? <laughs> uh, aroused, maybe. Yeah. And Veronica says, well, you know what? So do I. I can be pretty scary myself. And Mona almost snorts. <laughs> yeah, she almost laughs. Veronica says, and if I find out that you're going to use this stunt against my daughter and her friends, you'll find out just how scary. And Mona says, the only person who messed with your daughter and her friends is Wilden, and he's dead now. <laughs> and Veronica's just kind of nodding. Okay, have it your way, Mona. But if you continue to screw with my family or this case, I have ways to see it to it that you rot in the cell till your hair turns gray. You understand me? Veronica, out! Oh! Mona does this great thing where she just looks at you. She gives you like her full attention, but no reaction. Well, she, I mean, non-verbally, she's like, thanks, lawyer, in quotes. Yeah. Um, and then Mona looks into the camera right at us, right into our very souls, as if the show doesn't deliver enough chills already. Uh, meanwhile, Toby and Dr. Palmer, Spencer's like sitting by the piano because she doesn't even want to look at this bullshit. Um, Toby asks Dr. Palmer if he remembers talking to his mom about music. And Dr. Palmer would love to talk about music. He adores the opera. Um, and Toby's like, I'm not talking about, but then he stops. He's cut off because there's piano starts playing in the background. Because he's getting nowhere. So Spencer it's, starts playing the Ivories. Spencer's so good. Uh, she's one-handed. She's playing that song, the sheet music song, mm-hmm. on the piano. And Palmer's like, oh, Marion, that's lovely. Is Toby coming today? And Spencer, she keeps playing, and her eyes get kind of bigger, and she hesitates. And then she she just acts it right out. She says, no, no, Dr. Palmer, he's not. Uh, she's acting out Toby's mom right now, which is all sorts of creepy. Mm-hmm. And Palmer says, well, I, I think it would mean a lot to him to hear you play. Spencer says, he's heard me before. And Palmer says, yes, but not since you've been here. I think it would give him a great deal of comfort to know that you're enjoying your music once again. And Toby's thinking, don't you think he needs that? Toby's thinking, I have the weirdest boner right now. Yeah. Spencer just turns around. She's a little too freaked out, like freaked out right now. Looks over at Toby. And Spencer says, I take it that she's giving him this look like, don't you see how pointless this was? (laughs) And he just, I guess that that could be communicated to you. You know, but then Spencer, she can show that to Toby, but then she can pull it right back and make it, you know, have a point. And she asked Dr. Palm about the blonde girl, the one that she should steer clear of. And he's like, what blonde? And Spencer, as Marion Cavanaugh says, you talked to me about her. You said that she was dangerous. And Dr. Palmer says, yes, that's right. And then an orderly comes in to get him. And Dr. Palmer's like, oh, it looks like our time is up. He says that I he'll see, see her next, next session. session. Yeah. He's getting wheeled out. Spencer's like, was it CeCe Drake? Dr. Palmer, was her name CeCe Drake? 
And Palmer says, can you please show Mrs. De Laurentiis to my office? To the orderly, yeah. Yeah. And the nurse takes him away, and Spencer and Toby are both like, what the fuck? Oh, shit. Yeah. Mrs. De Laurentiis? What does that have to do with anything? So cut to Allison's bedroom, where Spencer, reflected in the mirror in profile, as she talks to Emily and Hannah, and she's like, he said Mrs. De Laurentiis. I'm positive. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to me that this shot starts with her reflection. Yeah. Uh, who who we see so far in the mirror? We've seen Redcoat. We've seen Hannah. Mm. We've seen... Ezra. Ezra. We've seen Spencer. Have we seen Emily? I'm not sure if we have. I don't recall. I don't think we have, yeah. Uh, what I want is for one of the characters to look into the mirror instead of their own reflection. It's just Arya. <laughs> that sounds frightening. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so, Spencer's saying he said De Laurentiis, I'm positive. And Hannah, I, I love this like seating arrangement. Hannah is in like a little chair, like sofa, which for some reason only has like one arm. Uh, it's, but it's Emily is sitting on the arm. Well, like there's a there's a, a reversed. Oh, is there a reverse? Okay. Yeah, it's like there's like two of these chairs they pushed together. Yeah. But yeah, Emily, or I'm sorry, Hannah's in the chair. Emily's sitting on the arm, like half in Emily, or uh, half in Hannah's lap there. Mm. As they're kind of facing off against Spencer. They've, they've, Emily's had enough of Spencer's bullshit. But a Benzo. Yeah. Um, shipping it. Yeah. So Emily's just like, huh? You said Toby was there, not you. And Hannah, for the most disgusted face, is like, and what was Toby doing in an old folks home? Spencer backpedals magnificently. Well, cause insane. Emily's face is like, I know you're lying, bitch. Well, but she's like, I don't know. It has something to do with Dark Nigel's phone. Whatever. You guys are focusing on all the wrong details. Immaculate. Yeah. Like, super quick. She was there. Allie's mom was at Rally at some point. And Emily says, he has dementia. The name De Laurentiis has been everywhere. Maybe just got stuck in his head. Spencer says, well, it's worth it to find out. And Emily's like, wait, you're just going to ask her? Hannah's like, yeah, why not? And Emily says, um, because she's going through a divorce and she's a little fragile. Perfect. This is clearly news to Spencer. And Emily's like, I can't talk about this anymore. I'm going to be late for work. She's like, gathers her things to leave. What what is it, like 7 p.m. at least by now? Yeah, it's dark. There have been all these, like, kind of twilight dusk scenes, like, during the magic hour. So, and I thought, I I didn't seriously give him the impression from the show that Emily works for, like, two hours a day, Mm -hmm. basically from, like, three to five or something like that. And I say work in quotes, you know, when she's there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's gone. Spencer and Hannah give these, each other a look like, what the fuck is wrong with her? Um, so downstairs in the dealer at his home, Spencer and Hannah are coming downstairs. We see that framed picture of young Allison. Mrs. D, of course, calls out, asking if that's Emily. She comes in the room. Hannah says that actually Emily left for work. Mrs. D was hoping, you know, that says that she's hoping that the girls will stay for dinner. They can even sleep over if they like. Um, she still like, has no. that little trundle bed upstairs. Yeah. And h- hilarious looks from Hannah and Spencer as they try to get out of this. They're just like, ah! And it's like, I should probs get home. Like, kind of pointing her hand out the door. Yeah. And this is D's like, I know it's chilly, but the French guy's on his way. And Spencer's like, no, it's uh, another time. And they turn to leave, but can't stop, won't stop. Spencer, she, she has to, she can't help it. Mm. She says, uh, Mrs. Delorentis, do you happen to know a Dr. Palmer? And Jessica says, the name rings a bell. What kind of doctor is he? And he's a psychiatrist from Radley. This is, this is when it's great because the camera has Mrs. D looking straight at Spencer and she says, this is your doctor. <laughs> well, Jessica is so hard to read here. Like she, it's, 
it's like, is she being coy? Is she just playing it normal? Exactly. Like, does she know way more than she's letting mm-hmm. on? Yeah, is this your doctor? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, he's retired. I was just wondering if, uh, if he was yours, Spencer says very delicately. And, yeah, Jessica says, why would you wonder that, dear? But she, like, she lets just, like, this appropriate amount of, like, menacing bass enter mm-hmm. her voice. I, I don't know why Andrew Parker isn't, like, doing films and, like, getting some of that fucking, like, uh, like Meryl Streep accolades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Spencer's like, uh, cause he mentioned you? And Jessica says, oh, well, if it's a guy I'm thinking of, I only met him one time, but he wasn't my psychiatrist. And Hannah says, was he Allie's? And Jessica's, Jessica, she says, no, he wasn't. And she kind of looks away and right into a flashback. She looks over the piano into a flashback. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're flashing back to earlier in the D. Laurentiis living room there. Allison is the one playing the piano. <laughs> Allison is D- like lit like an angel. Like there's oh, like yeah. angelic light all around her as she's yeah, playing she the piano. Yeah, she's glowing. Uh, again, you hear Mrs. D's voice off screen. She comes tearing into the house, demanding to know where Allison is. Allison where are you? Allison's like, I'm in here. Duh. Because she's playing the piano. Yeah. Mrs. And- D comes rushing in. And Allie says, aren't you impressed? I guess all your nagging finally paid off. And just as she finishes that sentence, Mrs. D slams the cover of the piano shut. And Allie, like, barely pulls her fingers away in time. Like, she's like, oh, my God, you almost took my freaking fingers off. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's so psychotic and perfect. Yeah, the the Allie-Jessica relationship is fascinating. Well, the and... fact that, that you hear this in flashback from mm-hmm. Mrs. D, like, <laughs> she's comfortable telling these stories about... Like, horrendously bad parenting. Though mm-hmm. so you could say that she's driven to it at times. Yeah. And Mrs. D says, you think that's funny? The stunt you pulled? That's some sort of sick joke to you? And Allie says, you seriously almost took off my limbs. And Mrs. D says, is that what the two of you do when you're not braiding each other's hair? Figure out a way to scare the hell out of me? Oh, and do Allie says... Do you have the whole monologue from Mrs. D? Yeah. Okay, go. Allie says, why are you having a full-on hemorrhage? Mm-hmm. And this is Alex speaks like such a teenager sometimes. Mm-hmm. This is D says, "Don't you speak to me that way." And Alex says, "I don't even know what you're talking about." And this is D says, "I get a phone call this afternoon. We have your daughter here. They tell me we think she may be a danger to herself. She wants it to stay here. So I run about three stop signs. I'm trying to get your father on the phone. I'm I'm terrified that you've hurt yourself. Then I get here. She's dressed." Head to toe in your clothing, but it's not my daughter sitting in Riley. It's Cece Drake. And Allie's been like listening intently and like curiously the whole time, and now she kind of can't hide like a coy little smile. Like it's, and she says, I can't believe that crazy bitch actually did it. And Mrs. D says, Go to your room, go to your room because I can't be held accountable for what happens. Love it. Which is interesting and sinister when you kind of consider what happened to Allie. Mm-hmm. And Allie says, I didn't even know she was going to actually do it. And Mrs. D says, well, you enjoy it because it's the last time the two of you are going to play together. Even the doctor I spoke to agreed that this friendship is toxic. And Allie very coldly says, so are a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Mrs. D says, that girl's no longer welcome in this house. And Jessica walks off and Allie just kind of smirks and continues to play the piano. In um, flashback piano song she's playing by the way i believe is uh all the pretty horses mm. i think i read that in the wiki so in back in the all the pretty room, little horses hmm. spencer asked if allison and cc had ever done anything like this before um she should be really shocked that mrs d even told him the story but miss d says no but says that even from the beginning something about their relationship was wrong 
obsessive. Hannah says, like, what? Like wearing each other's makeup or clothes? And Mrs. D says, more like wearing each other's personalities. Oh, man. The the CC Alley relationship only gets more bizarre. Well, this was for the first time where I really love this, like, villainous CC thread that, like, I feel like it finally has legs. It's it's well, been so, really interesting because CC was kind of this cool, uh, artsy bitchy force of nature when we saw yeah. her in season three. Once she disappeared, it's like they were able to build up like this legend of CC Drake. Well, now we find out that Ali and CC used to do this weird, funny thing where they would like switch personalities, and CC would pretend to be Ali and like go to Radley and get herself committed just as a joke, which is a hell <laughs> of a fucking joke. And just like fooled you, <laughs> like that's completely nuts. Yeah, uh, and it kind of makes you wonder, like, have there been any other times where Cece was pretending to be Allie? Hmm. 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 So the mirror kitchen, has three faces. In Spencer's kitchen, saying it for all of us, Caleb says that's pretty messed up. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I like how uh, Spencer and Hannah have like called Caleb in for this briefing. And Spencer says, yeah, but it makes sense. Remember that guy Hector said that Allie wanted masks of her face so that her friends would look more like her? And Hannah says, I thought that was a dig at us. Uh, so did Spencer, but apparently she was talking about Cece. Which is even more creepy, like Cece running around wearing an Allie mask. Yeah. Uh, well, so, I mean, again, if if we're to believe that the person who pulled them out of the fire at the lodge was Allison then, as you've said many times, this is a show that features a girl flying around with a mask of her own face on. <laughs> or possibly her best, or formerly one of her, like, BFFs, uh, flying around with a mask of her own face on. Which is funny, because we're podcasting right now with masks of our own face on. <laughs> Each uh, other's faces. Oh, you just made it totally normal. Uh, Veronica comes in. She didn't know Spencer would be home for dinner, but Spencer was thinking they'd just order a pizza. I love that they always just, like, let's talk about family shows. Let's talk about food. Um, Veronica then asks if Hannah has spoken to her mom lately. Hannah says, not since earlier. Why? Veronica suggests that Hannah heads home <laughs> now. should probably head home. Yeah. And Caleb says, Mrs. Hastings, what's going on? We've never had a scene together. <laughs> and Veronica says, someone made an anonymous complaint to the court. They're accusing me of obstruction of justice. And they're all like, what? What? Uh, they're alleging that I bullied Mona into giving her confession. Spencer says, that's crazy. That's coming from me. And Veronica, she knows this, and the charges won't hold water for long, but unfortunately, the damage is done. What damage? Hannah demands, and Veronica says, in order not to hurt your mother's case, I have to recuse myself. Hannah says, what does that mean? Veronica says, it means right now your mother doesn't have a lawyer. Oh, shit. Hannah's making the cry face. Yeah. Uh, so we go to Philadelphia at night. Um, we see Jake and Ari are sitting in the steps of some building. You know what I mean by Colts is playing. Um, Jake apologizes for the match going so late. They're eating like full wrap burritos or something. Well, we get the the shot starts on like the some sort of like lamppost clock. Mm. It's uh up in the left hand corner nine fifty five. Yeah, as the camera pans over, uh, blah blah blah. Jake and Aria. Well, he uh, didn't he didn't plan on brown bag. Excuse me, on a stoop. He wanted to take her somewhere nice, like for steak. And Aria's like, "Yeah, I don't eat meat at all." <laughs> the way she says it, she's like. Eh, don't eat meat at all. In your fucking face, Mikey, and all your trips are like sausage heaven. And she laughs, and he's like, well, I'm glad I didn't do that. And I feel like she should then just like stab him. 
Yeah. Uh, he takes a bite of his burrito and he kind of holds his hand up to his mouth like he's trying not to cough. And Arya's getting a, a little saucy herself here. Says, what? That sauce a little too spicy for you, sport? And he fights it off. He says, excuse me, I love spicy food. It's just the scratch doesn't, you know, like has like a little cut on I his I have lip. a booby on my face. Yeah. And Arya kind of demands he like, he give up his burrito so she can, you know, appraise his wound here. You know she just loves this fucking shit. And she says, mm-hmm. sorry, it's so tiny. I can't really see it right in this light. And he's like, all right, all right. No kidding. That guy really got me in the jaw. My mouth hurts just moving it. And Ari says, now how is a total badass like you who won his match tonight acting like such a baby? How indeed? She's like, fuck your masculinity. He's like, you think I'm a badass? Uh, no, not at all. I think you're a faker. You're mm-hmm. grinning from ear to ear right now. Doesn't seem to be hurting at all. And he's like, oh, I can't help it. Uh, you're here with me on a stoop eating a vegetarian burrito. Can't help but smile right now. And they do the little, like, oh, does this hurt? And, like, she kisses him. And he's just like, oh, try again. And he's like, oh, no, how about this? And they just make out on the steps. It's here that I noticed that Arya might as well be wearing, like, a dead scarab as a ring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, always with the massive rings. Like, half of her accessories are, like, stolen from, like, Stevie Nicks. Um... Yeah, so she also has like a like sea foam nail polish for some reason, even though she's wearing like like dark black clothing. She commands colors. Colors don't they're not the boss of her. Mm-hmm. Uh we pan over to the street clock again and oh these two, they have all the time in the world. So back at Allison's house, Emily gets home, Mrs. D is knitting. Um Mrs. D asks how work was it's like the first scene where Mrs. D doesn't just like announce herself voice only and mm-hmm. then appear. Uh, you know, Emily's asked what she's knitting, and Miss D says that it was going to be a scarf for her husband, but now she guesses it'll just be a tight sweater for her. And she's also like, BTW, you can call me Jessica. And Emily kind of smiles because she just doesn't know how to respond to this. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like a workman comes in from the hall, and he's like, Yeah, circuit breaker was blown, and so I replaced it. Should start to warm up here in about 20 minutes. And he kind of fills out a work order and hands it to Jessica, and he says, Yeah. I don't know exactly how to say this, but it looks like you have a bigger problem. Bacon a cake! Bacon a cake! Oh yeah, the first uh, guy's gonna warn her. Yes, back to Spencer's house. Hannah's upset. Especially since, as Veronica said, these allegations aren't true and won't this all just blow over. Veronica says, well, the prosecution might still try to use this in a trial. We just can't risk that. Um, Veronica's phone rings and she's like, oh, I need to take this. Thank God. And she like, <laughs> runs out of the room. Yeah, get the hell out of there. <laughs> away from the wrath of Hannah Marin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, she's gone. Hannah's like, she's gathering her stuff. She's like, I have to go home. I have to go see my mom. And Caleb's like, oh, yeah, I, I can drive you. And Spencer's just like, okay, it's like, calm down. Uh, everything's going to be all right. And Hannah says, okay, no, it's not. Okay, an anonymous tip. Who do you think called that in? Mm-hmm. And Caleb says, take a breath. And she's just like, no, fuck you. I'm going home. Storm's off. Mm-hmm. Spencer watches them go. So we cut to a hallway at Radley. This scene is mm. perfect. Um, it's all a single shot, or almost all. Yeah, the camera's pushing in on Ren as he sits in a chair with uh, kind of a notepad in his lap. He's kind of like scribbling on it with a pen. Mm. And the camera's kind of slowly pushing in on him. He's holding a phone, interestingly, to the ear on the opposite side. Like he's holding with his left hand the phone up to his right ear mm. as he does this. Uh, where's my dialogue for this? He says, we, only, we only hear his side of the conversation. I know, it's real upsetting. A real lapse in judgment. Well, I was beginning to suspect a confession was coerced. 
Yeah, I was shocked when I learned it was my former mother-in-law. Well, almost mother-in-law. I guess I dodged a real bullet there. And as he says that, the camera pans down and you can see what's on his notepad. It's that drawing of the farm family that mm -hmm. he showed Mona earlier. And he is coloring in the mother's uh, coat in red. He's he's drawing a red coat on the mother. And then he says, and the, just, just goes to show you, you can't trust anyone. And is it me or is the the mother kind of look like Jenna? I don't know uh, if that's intentional or not. Perhaps, but she has dark hair. Like that's not like that's as part of like the uh, it's a coloring page sheet basically is the, the type of illustration style. Mm -hmm. But like the woman comes with dark hair, like that's not an option for you to color in. But yeah, he's basically drawing Vivian Darkbloom here. Um, but like this scene is perfect. I mean, granted, you could see this going in five different directions, like what Ren's intention is. But in the language of TV, though, in that kind of confusion where you're supposed to think one thing on the first immediate viewing mm -hmm. and they have the plateau by which to go off in different directions this is just wonderful like the writing here is top notch well and so it's like so what the fuck is your deal ren like you i right now it sounds like he's probably talking maybe like his boss or something i'm guessing right or uh, some some authority figure because he's he's playing dumb he's just like oh, i couldn't believe it you know like he wouldn't, like, if he's, like, conspiring to someone, it's not this person. No, it's, no, this is It's not, not the person he called earlier and is like, you do your part, I'll do mine. Yeah, I don't think it's that person. And it really leads you, it makes you think that perhaps Ren is the one who called in that anonymous allegation, but mm -hmm. you don't know that for a fact. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this scene is amazing. It's uh, entirely possible bad. that Mona actually did just tell Ren that she was bullied by Veronica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we We just don't know. Um, the show needs more Ren. The show definitely needs more Ren. I mean, I feel like this CC had been batted around as a potential like something for a long time, but now Ren, I feel like, just vaulted to the top of the list. Yeah, like what's up with this guy? He he's obviously working some kind of game with somebody else. Maybe it's nefarious. Maybe it's not. Maybe there's just different motives involved. But mm. he's up to something. Mm. Um, so Ali's house. Uh, we see Jessica and we're, we're looking up the stairwell from the basement. Jessica and Emily kind of walk into the stairwell and head down. This whole sequence is really creepy. Great camera work. Uh, great camera work. Great use of a song. The song is In Every Dream Home, A Heartache by Talk Normal. Um, and it yeah. starts off with this kind of creepy organ music as these two women like descend into darkness. It kind of reminded me a little of... Uh, what is that air that song in Veronica Mars when they find like the weird like abuse run hideout run yeah run run, run by air run 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 yeah um so there's one point where they get to the bottom of the stairs they're walking through the darkened basement it's the, so dark like the wonderful blacks like the way it's filmed yeah the one of the one of the lines of the song is every step takes me farther from heaven is there a heaven um, Mrs. D heads over to the circuit box. Right before she gets there, Emily looks over in the dark. She sees what looks like the veil of the Black Widow, and she gasps. And the lights come on, and it's just like a mop or something. So Emily tries to act normal. I'm just really impressed with how dark they got the blacks in this shot. Act normal, bitch. Um, yeah. Then Emily sees something. It's in like an unfinished part of the basement, I guess. It's like this weird little, like, kind of just cubbyhole-ish area where there's a, like, there's kind of like a blanket like sleeping bag and there's like all these kind of like 
trash bags full of like uh cans, like, wrappers, like chips and wrappers and soda bottles. Uh kind of like you'd expect like Kayla to be living here. Maybe this is where Kayla's been living. So the two of them are investigating and Mrs. D says, "He's right. It definitely looks like someone used this as their temporary home." Mm-hmm. This is right under the window grate that Redcoat probably let herself in through at the end of the previous episode. And Emily says, oh, should we maybe call the police? And Jessica says, I'm sure they're long gone. My guess is they moved out before Jason moved back in. Hmm. Unfortunately, that they left us quite a mess. She's so casual about this, which is unfazed. suspicious. Yeah, she's totally unfazed. Well, she keeps saying, like, temporary home. Mm-hmm. How do you know? Yeah, and so then she kind of walks back up the stairs, and she's calm behind her. Says, "Maybe I can get the gardener to clear that out." And like, "Hey, I'm gonna heat up some lasagna. You must be starving." And Emily plays the light over the area some more, and then she turns to leave. Well, she can hear Mrs. D walking on the floorboards above her. And just as she flips off the light, is when on this on this song that's playing, it says, "But you blew my mind," and then like some like kind of pumping like guitar comes in and emily looks back now that the lights are off down here she can see uh shafts of light coming down from the holes in the floorboards above that sleeping area these are the this is where a drilled those holes uh, mm-hmm. a few a tags ago and uh she walks back to like look at these uh little peepholes and we can see mrs d's shadow walk by above mm-hmm. and hear her walking by in the floorboards like oh shit somebody's been spying into the dealerentis house. Very I creepy. love I love this like little ending, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then we get the A tag. We're in the wreckage of Emily's house, speaking of, you know, homes. Uh we see like a cracked framed photo of Emily. We see like a cracked framed photo of Wayne Fields. All this is like laying there in the rubble. A picks up the photo of Emily and then A pulls out the money just, like, Barry Manilow. Tosses it aside. Yeah. Pulls out the the money Barry Manilow from the newspaper from the wrapped in the newspaper and just like tosses them into the rubble. So now, basically, Ashy Marin's shoes are going to be potentially found at Emily's house. I'm not sure what that would prove exactly, but sure. I, it's confusing as fuck, I imagine, for mm-hmm. the police. Um, and, and that that was the mirror has three faces. The next Fascinating, episode, fascinating episode. Yeah, the next episode is called Bring Down the Ho. Bring Down the Ho. Well, this is one of those episodes where, like, every time you're working on a good theory, mm-hmm. you have to factor this in. You're like, okay, but if if my theory is that, like, Ren is this, how do I figure out the way he acts in this episode? Or if my f- theory is that Cece is this, then, like, you know, but did she hate the liars the whole time? Did she hate Allie? Like, you know, when did she turn on Allie? Like, yeah. all sorts of, or, yeah. Lots of fascinating, like, contradictory, mm-hmm. you know, evidence. Um, but none of the theories are going to mean anything next week because there's a fucking hoedown. Bring the, bring down the hoe. I almost said bring the hoe down. Um, bring down the hoe. Yeah, <laughs> there's a hoedown coming. There's a line uh, next, dancing. Next episode, it's Oliver Goldstick and Francesca Rollins, directed by Melanie Mayron. Uh, we will get to that soon. We are almost done with five, or 4A. We should be done by the next week. Yep. Uh, let's see. Anything else in the wiki here? There's a 1996 film called The Mirror Has Two Faces. That's one of uh, uh, Barbara Streisand? Yeah, Streisand's in it. Mm. Uh, I don't think that has anything at all to do with this episode. Not at all. Mm-hmm. But it's a fun episode. We've got we got some red coat action. We've got A. We've got 
Ren being shady, mm. more background on CC. What does it all mean? Mm. Hopefully the end of the Maggie storyline. Yeah, hopefully the end mm. of Maggie. Hope well. <laughs> we're not. We're not at the end of Toby. Yeah, Toby's mom. Fun. Toby's fucking mom. Brother. We got an alley flashback. I felt like it'd been like an episode or two since we got one of those. Well, and alley flashbacks are always great, especially alley mm-hmm. flashbacks that are told by her mom, <laughs> which are always just something <laughs> where Allie does something crazy. insane. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when her mom acts insane in response. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I love that you can always tell, like, like whenever you see these flashes, like, oh yeah, this character is definitely like the child of so and so. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, so that will be it for this week. If you want to get in contact with us. On Twitter, we are at broswatchpll2. On our website page, it's uh, broswatchpll2.com. There's also a broswatchpll2.tumblr.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, what am I forgetting? Uh, if you like the podcast, feel free to head on over to iTunes and rate us, review us if you'd like. Uh, I saw we actually got a review from China. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the China iTunes store. Um, is it like in Chinese characters? No, it's it's in English. They didn't seem to totally understand. Like they were like surprised that we were men. Um, Us even, too. Even yeah, even though the the title of the podcast is Bros Watch People Too, but um, yeah, China. Maybe it's a question mark. Bros Watch People Too. Indeed. Uh, also, thanks to Amanda, different Amanda, um, who just said that she enjoys our podcast on Twitter. We appreciate that. Um, we can't express how much joy your uh, your comment means to us. Indeed, and uh, we will be back soon. Mm-hmm. Bye bye.